People are buying more clothing today than ever before. But at what cost? Today on KindCast, I'm going to be discussing with you the culture of fast fashion and how it impacts the world around us. Let's start with a little history. Since the 1960s, in the United States, our consumption of of apparel has tripled. In the 60s, approximately 25 garments per year were purchased by the average American person. However, as the economy changed in the United States and trade barriers were introduced to the U.S. economy, uh, U.S. manufacturers were actually encouraged to move their apparel manufacturing overseas, which as a result would be cheaper for the manufacturer as well as the consumer. With that price reduction in place, it's really no surprise that Americans have tripled the amount of apparel that they buy today. But unfortunately, with that price reduction, we've also seen a loss in quality. It's actually the case that less than 2% of apparel is made in the U.S. today, and it really shows. When you go shopping, it seems that the clothing is already falling apart on the hanger. You might notice that your clothing is falling apart faster at home. It seems that you just have to buy more, more often. So what I want to start off with is informing you about what fast fashion looks like when you're shopping so that you can avoid it, and then talk about why... It's so important to avoid clothing. Some people, they have that disposable income and they seem to not mind purchasing and purchasing and purchasing, but it really does come at a cost for both human rights as well as the environment. So with that, let me talk to you a little bit about what fast fashion looks like. I think the clearest way to determine whether or not something is fast fashion is if you see it as a, at a business that produces high volumes of cheap clothing. And that's not just Walmart, that's your places like H&M, Forever 21, JCPenney, very standard shopping places. The next thing you need to look for is what would be considered quick to copy. So basically the store has a ton of trendy clothing that are clearly cheap knockoffs of runway stock. And you don't have to be a fashion guru to figure that one out. It's usually really clear because everything across these stores seems to look the same and there seems to be a weekly rotation of brand new stuff just to keep you interested. Now you're probably wondering what the big deal is with fast fashion. Like why is it a big deal to buy cheap clothes by the bag full? That's a lot of fun, what's the problem with that? I totally get that, but it's actually wrought with environmental and human rights violations. So now's your cue to grab your coffee, sit back, get comfy, take notes if you like, and together let's learn about fast fashion. Number one, environmental impact. 10% of all carbon emissions come from the fashion industry, and this means that the fashion industry is actually the second greatest polluter in the world. This is five times more than airline travel. It's generally understood that airline travel is not best for the environment, and I completely agree with that, and if you can have alternatives to that, that's wonderful. However, realistically, this is where we need to be putting a lot of our focus. We need to make adjustments to how we shop. Just a moment ago, I spoke to you about cheaply made clothing. And part of why clothing can be so cheap is because it's made with a mixture or rather a blend of different kinds of fabrics. And one of the things that's often in our clothing is polyester. And polyester is something that's actually a fairly new concept to me as well. I knew it was in our clothing, but I didn't really know where it came from. And once I found that out, I was actually very shocked and kind of saddened. Polyester is actually one of the greatest offenders within our fabrics uh, because its production is so energy intensive. It takes twice as much energy to produce polyester as it does cotton. And an equivalent that I found for that is that each year, 
the amount of energy that it takes to produce the polyester that blends into our fabric is the equivalent of 185 coal-powered plants that are going all year long. Not only that, but polyester is actually made of fossil fuels, which not only means that the Earth's resources are being depleted, but also the gas that it emits is really bad for the environment. And what makes this worse is that since synthetic polyester is a plasticky material, every time you wash your clothes, little microplastics from your clothing is washing into the water system. So if it's not getting filtered out well enough because they're really tiny, teeny tiny particles, then you're actually drinking these microplastics every single time that you drink water. And if you're someone that eats fish, these microplastics eventually work their way into the oceans and get into the fish, so you're consuming them that way. And obviously it's not fair to the animals either that they have plastics in them. So polyester is not great in that regard either. Uh, furthermore, it's also non-biodegradable, so any polyester bits that get into the earth will not break down anytime soon. So if now you're kind of thinking maybe you want to reduce how much polyester you have in your life, um, something to consider is that linen actually takes the least amount of energy to produce, followed by cotton, followed by polyester. Certainly there are little uh, different types of fibers kind of mixed in there, but those are the big three that you hear about. So least ener energy inefficient would be linen, followed by cotton, uh, polyester. If you can avoid it, that's probably best. Continuing on the topic of water, another thing I want to briefly mention is that since a lot of our clothes are actually made in developing nations, often environmental practices don't exist there the way that they might in the Western world. Um, so one issue that I've been reading about is that facilities that dye our clothes, they'll often um, dye, our, you know, dye our clothes however they do, and then they dump out the extra dirty dye water into the fresh water supply. So then not only is the environment having a negative impact from all that dye being in the water supply, but it's not good for humans either. And with that now, I'm going to segue into the topic of human rights. Staying on the water topic for a moment more, I am a firm believer that destroying the environment is also a human rights issue. Um, in the case of water, humans need water, and so if there is dye or microplastics in the water, that's destructive to human health, and as a result, is a human rights issue because people are not receiving the same protections across the board. Now, it is said that one in six people work in apparel manufacturing, and that's a huge number. So it's really hard for me to hear about, as I'm sure it will be for you too, that people aren't being treated with the dignities that they deserve. I think one of the saddest things that I hadn't heard about until very recently was how many people actually die because of pesticide-related deaths. You know, cotton is used a lot in the fashion industry, and there, have, there has to be people who go out there and pick that cotton. Um, and the fashion industry, of course, wants their cotton crops to be protected, so pesticides are being used, or perhaps the, it actually is probably the cotton grower who then sells it to the fashion industry, so that grower wants their product to be protected, right? And it's not really for me to speak here in this particular podcast about the impacts of pesticides on people and the environment in general. I feel that's an entirely separate topic and one that can be controversial at that. Regardless... There has been proof that people are dying from pesticide exposure with the cotton that's been used in the fashion industry. To me, it seems that people say, well, it's not like there were a million people who died from it. Maybe it was only 500. 
And I think that's a very dangerous mentality. It doesn't matter how many people died. The point is people have died. And that means it's a human rights issue. And for the people who don't die in the fields picking cotton, there's the whole other issue of the people who work in the factories where the clothing is made. It's no secret in the Western world that sweatshops exist and that a lot of our clothing probably comes from those places. I think it's easy in the Western world just to turn a blind eye to it and to say, well, I'm not there, so I can block it out of my mind because I don't want to think about it and I feel helpless. I so get that feeling of when you just feel so helpless about an issue that it's easier just to block it out so you don't have to feel guilty about something that you feel you can't change. But the good news is that you can change that by choosing not to purchase from these brands. The people in these sweatshops are often not protected from assault in the workplace. That's very common, especially in developing nations. Not that the United States is perfect by any means as far as workplace assault is concerned. However, at least in the United States and a lot of European countries, people do have legal protections. Um, And this is something that the 80% of apparel workers who are women face. They don't have these protections from people who harass them. And that's really not okay. Certainly a human rights issue at that. And not only is that difficult because they're fearful to go to work, but often they aren't given a livable wage. They might be making three cents an hour, which is not enough to feed their families. A lot of these workers actually sleep there. There's, I've seen photos of hammocks being hung around uh, these various factories so that people have a place to sleep because they just don't leave. They'll be working 150 hours overtime it's really, really sad. They never get to be with their families. They often also don't receive you know, benefits the way that we would here, medical, dental, that kind of thing. That just doesn't really exist in those spaces. So like I had said earlier, which I wish to reiterate, is that in the industry, people are not receiving the dignities that they deserve. The good news is, though, not all is lost. There are things you can do to make effective and real change that are easy for you. You don't have to go out of your way. You don't need to go to these nations and break people out of the sweatshops that you see all glamorous on the TV. Those are not things that the average person should be doing by any means. I mean, if you want to go do that, find a proper organization and take it on. But there are very simple things in your daily life that you can do to make sure that money is going to the right people, to the right brands, so that the world is better taken care of. And that, I think, can be best summarized in a mantra. Quality over quantity. I know you've heard that one a million times, but it holds so, so true to fashion. You need to love what you buy. I know there's this myth that maybe was true at one time, but isn't so much true now, that if you want to buy clothing that you know, comes from, let's say, a fair trade certified factory or these other things that make the clothing appear to be more ethical. It seems that it always has to be expensive or ugly. And I really don't believe that that needs to be the case anymore. A lot of brands no longer act that way because they realize that there's no reason to overcharge people for something that's so extremely important to the world. And there's no reason that sustainable fabrics need to be unattractive or bland for that matter you would actually be impressed by how many brands have taken on a more socially and environmentally conscious ideology. 
Um, when in doubt, you can always reach out to the brands, contact them. You can call, you can email. They're generally pretty good about getting back to you about uh, where the clothes are made, what they're made of, that kind of thing. Um, and more brands now are actually going out of their way to announce that on their clothing itself. So sometimes on the tags that are actually sewn into the clothing or sometimes on the tags that are just attached to the clothing at the store, it'll say things like fair trade certified or um, you know made with eco-friendly dye. And those are things to pay attention to. And of course, to reiterate from earlier, try to avoid polyester blends if you want to do the best you can in taking care of the environment. I'm sure some of you right now are starting to think that maybe you need to rid yourself of any clothing that doesn't fit the perfect ethical seal as you perceive it to be based on what I've taught you about. There's no good reason for you to throw away everything that you have. There's, you might as well enjoy what you have, love what you have, take care of what you already own. And when it eventually wears out, you can purchase something that uh, is maybe better made. But in the meantime, embrace your H&M clothes. I don't care. Like, just take good care of them so they last you a while. And that way you can enjoy them and you get the most you know, money out of what you purchased. Um, and if you do want to go and buy some stuff, but maybe you don't want to spend full price or maybe you live in an area where... It's harder to get shipments or you don't have access to stores that sell higher quality things. A really cool option as well as just going to a local consignment or thrift store. Often those companies are also um, socially conscious and they'll give a certain part of their profit back to the community. Like I know Goodwill does that and they do like a job training program. Um, I have some other thrift stores here in town that focus on like rehabilitating the homeless or um, the refugees, things like that. Super, super cool. So I'm a huge supporter of thrift shops, especially because it saves money. And clothing production in general does take a lot of um, a lot of resources from the environment. Regardless of what fabric you use, there is something being pulled from the environment. So if you can just repurpose what already exists, you're doing a great job in taking care of the environment. And then there's no question about whether or not there are any uh, like human rights implications in making the clothing. Because you bought it secondhand. You did not give any money to a company that you're a little concerned about. Now, before I leave you, I thought I'd give you a quick little recap because I know that was a lot to take in. And hopefully you're feeling inspired and not too downtrodden by some of the more unfortunate realities about the world. There's so much that can be positive about this issue. I think the positivity positivity comes out of choosing to make a change and inspiring others to make a change in how you approach the fashion industry. Um, I'm a big supporter of voting with your dollar. So where you spend your money is really going to impact how the industry is shaped. So with that, I'm going to give you a quick recap about what I spoke about today. First, let's talk about really quickly what fast fashion is. It can be determined by exceedingly low prices, um, by it being often very trendy. Um, Typically, there's a quick style rotation through the stores, you know, they'll quickly or they quickly replace the items in there and it looks poorly made. Often the seams are coming undone if you flip the shirt out. Um, Sometimes you can just tell the fabric doesn't look very nice or feel very nice. Those are the kinds of things you need to pay attention to. I also need to make very clear that this matters because it is a contributor to both environmental and human rights violations. Fast fashion is really, really awful on so many fronts and the less people that contribute to it, the better. And finally, the mantra, quality over quantity. 
Always and forever, quality over quantity. I promise you it'll make your life better. Thank you for listening to the fifth episode of KindCast. Please like and share this post if you liked it. And if you have any suggestions for future podcasts, please, by all means, let me know. If you'd like, I have an email address for our KindCast. It's allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N dot kindcast at gmail.com. And as always, lovely talking to you. This is KindCast. <laughs>